restore, restore. You know, and you can be seated. You know, God has the ability to restore things that we never thought could be restored. You know, sometimes we can get our eyes on the way everything else looks or what someone else's life looks like. And we can try to measure our life or measure our circumstances or measure what we've been through, what we're going through, and we can look at other people and, and then we can, we can feel either guilty or feel shame because maybe we aren't far, farther along or we're still dealing with this or we're still dealing with that. But Habakkuk, you know, a prophet, a minor prophet, and he had, a, he had a, this, this attitude that really was really kind of aggravated at God where he was like, God, I, you know, why are the wicked prospering? And why are our cities lying in ruin? Why is my life broken? And, and why is everyone else seem to be going well, but my life is, is in the pit, so to speak? And God comes back to him and he, and, and, and I had this word that, that someone spoke over me in 1997. And I was um, actually doing cameras in a church service, and I had just gone through a, a, a challenging time. And 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 the person pulled me off the camera, and the the minister uh, pulled me up front, and he and he had a word from God for me, and it was the story of Habakkuk. And and I, I didn't really understand the story, but I, this it stuck with me. And this was, I mean, that was 1997, and 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 so it just stuck with me exactly what he what he said. And and he he really quoted to me verse five of Habakkuk chapter one. And he said this, he said, look around, Justin. And, 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 but he, God was speaking to Habakkuk, he says, look around Habakkuk. Because Habakkuk was like, hey God, I, I don't understand all this. Why, why are the wicked prospering? Why, and my life is this way. But God said, said, look around Habakkuk. And he said, be astonished and astounded. Because I have put into effect a work in your day. Such that would not, you would not believe it even if we're told to you. Meaning, meaning, I, I don't, meaning, meaning, don't look at what is happening to everyone else. Look at what I'm doing. Right now, Habakkuk, you might not be able to see what I'm doing, but I'm working on something. Look at your neighbor and say, God's working on something. You see, this, this whole attitude that, that God was trying to place within Habakkuk's heart, look around, be astonished and astounded because I have put into effect a work in your day such that would not believe it, it were told to you. Meaning on the other side of where you are, there's something beautiful. On the other side of where you are, there's something so much better than what you see on the other side of where you are. And like I said, we can get so overtaken by our mistakes, our failures, what other people have done to us, offenses and things like that. And we can see and, and where we where our lives, we're like, like, am I ever going to get beyond this? But God was speaking to Habakkuk saying, I, I see something that you can't see. I see something more that you can't see. You know, in Isaiah chapter 42 you know, God is speaking to the children of Israel and, and, and God went to Isaiah and, and saying, he's look, he goes, he goes, my people, my people are robbed. My people are stolen from my people. 
And he's saying it, and, and really what God was telling Isaiah, he goes, and it shouldn't be that way. And he goes, my people are, are, are stolen from, my people are hiding themselves in prison houses. My, my people are hiding themselves in caves. My people, and God's like, this isn't the way, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. And God said, he said, because no one, he goes, there's no redemptive revelation. There's no prophet. There's no one speaking something. He goes, my people are still broken. My people are still in, in prison because no one is saying what needs to be said. And what does God tell Habakkuk or tell Isaiah? It's in Isaiah 42. And it says this. He goes, no one is crying restore. I want you to know your pastor this morning is declaring restore over you. Restore. Over you. You know, that's his, that's his plan. That's his desire for our hearts. Even if we go back to the, to the book of Joel and we look at the book of Joel and, and we understand it be a great prophetic book and, 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 and it talking about our day, but, but also understanding that the whole aspect of God bringing deliverance wasn't to, it wasn't to keep the people broken, but it was to deliver them so then God could once again restore everything that the canker worm had stolen. Say restore. That's what he desires for you. I declare restore over my children. Restore over your lives. Restore. Restore. That's God's heart for you. That's the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is a gospel of restoration. It's the plan of redemption is all about restoration. If you look at, you look at Genesis chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, and you see the fall of man happening, then you see the next 60, the next 65 books bringing everything to back to God, restoring man to back to where he was in the garden before man ever fell. The very heart of the gospel is restoration. The heart of the gospel. The heart of the Father is to restore you. That's why Jesus could say to the disciples, he could say to them, all you that are heavy laden, come unto me and I will give you rest. Come unto him and let him give you rest. Why? Because his heart is to restore. His heart is to restore you. Thank you, Father. Now, that's not my, that's, that wasn't my message this morning. So we'll just see if we get into the message this morning. But restore. Thank you, Father. Restore. I mean, the very message of the gospel. <clears throat> you just think about Jesus. He, he stands up and he preaches for the first time after he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The anointing of the Lord is upon me. For you to preach good news to the poor. So what would be good news to a poor person? They don't need to be poor anymore. Good news. Anointed to preach the good news to the poor. Meaning it's saying, hey, right now you might be poor, but the good news is I want to restore you. To heal the brokenhearted. 
mean, we can go through we can go through years with a broken heart. And not and not let anyone know. You can be here this morning having a broken heart and you put the smile on your face like you should. And and you do all the things that good faith people do. But yet underneath, you're not letting God restore that which is broken. Restore. 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 I mean, I, I love where, you know, Jesus is seated in heaven today. And I, I love just in, in, I think it's Revelations chapter 19 or chapter 20, somewhere in there, and really talks about Jesus. We know the Bible tells us that he intercedes for us, right? He intercedes for us. But you know, in, in Revelations, it says that he sits on the throne and he makes all things new. So if he's interceding for us and he sits on the throne, and he makes all things new. What is his prayer for you today? Restore. Restore. Thank you, Father. Restore. That's his, that's his message for you this morning. Restore. You know, years ago when going through something, you, sometimes when you go through things, you, you try to figure out how God can restore. But you know what? It's not up to us to figure it out. Years ago, going through something difficult, you know, one of the first things that we we have that go off in the inside of us is whether it's a defense thing or whether it's a not wanting to face things. It's like, well, I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to, I'm just going to give up. I'm just going to, I'm just going to throw in the towel, so to speak. Why, 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 what's all this? God, why did you let this happen? Why is this happening to me? I, I don't deserve this. I, I, I've done everything where I felt like I'm supposed to do, but yet how come this ended up like this? See, those, those aren't God's thoughts. Those are the enemy's thoughts to keep you stuck. And I, and I remember the thought of, of well, I'm just going to quit. And I'm so grateful for the Holy Spirit. You know, he can, you know, sometimes, sometimes you just need a good Holy Spirit slap, you know. And, you know, and, and, and just while I'm in my pity party, you know, just complaining about, Life and complaining about where I'm at and how come this and I've done everything and all this. And, and the Lord's like, well, quit and do what? <laughs> quit and do what? <laughs> Didn't have an answer to that question. <laughs> quit and do what? And, uh, and so I'm sitting there and, and uh, had in my heart, the Lord said, go read, go read John chapter 6. Go read John chapter 6. And I'm like reading John chapter 6. And it's like the longest chapter in John. It's like, it's like 73 verses. It's like, it's like, could you tell me what I need to know in at least the first five verses? And I get there and I say, okay, eat your flesh, drink your blood. What does this have to do with me wanting to quit? And, and I finally get down to verse... 
like 64. <laughs> and he, uh, he has a conversation with Peter. I, I love the disciples because, because with the disciples, you can, you can see yourself in the disciples. And, um, and yet here you had not just the 12 disciples at this time, you actually had the 12 and you had the 70. And the 70 are with them, and, and yet they, the 70 look at Jesus and, and they go, these are hard things for us to hear. And it said they, all the 70 of them turned around and walked away to no longer follow him. They're walking with Jesus. But yet they couldn't receive the message of Jesus. Religion got in the way of the restoration. And, 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 and what, we, what I had to see is I was trying to compare myself in my future because, because when certain situations, religion can kick in and tell you, well, you can't do this or you can't do that. And this is that. And you're only doing that because of this. And this is only that. And, that's the, and, and so the enemy will try to paint this picture. But yet what was God trying to speak to me in this? And, and, and here I was complaining. I said, God, what? But he said, he goes, are you going to walk away? And, and, and really what it came down to with Jesus wanted me to see, hear Peter's response. And so, so after the 70 walk away, Jesus turned around and, and looks at the 12 and he goes, so are you two going to walk away? And Peter goes, where are we going to go? He goes, you have the words of life. Meaning there's nowhere else I can go. There's nothing else I can do. I've already left all. And so really what it came down to was, was God saying, are you going to trust me with your future? Are you going to trust me with your future? Do you think I'm bigger than what you're going through? Or do you see, or do you see your situation bigger than what I can handle? There's, there's, you can't go backwards. You know, there's nothing to go back to. You have to go forward in faith. Faith is all about, is all about the now. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is always now. And if I was going to embrace everything that God had for me, then I was going to have to release my faith in the now to carry me in, in the future of what God had for my life. But I couldn't figure out how is this going to work and what's going to happen and this is going to happen and that's going to happen. No, you have to shelve all that. And you say, God, I'm going with you and I'm not going to let go of you. And in that, in that decision I made... Something clicked in my heart to where, God, you've got this. And God, you are going to restore my life. And it doesn't matter how long it takes. You're going to restore. And you're going to restore the years. You're going to restore the tears. You're going to restore everything that I've lost in this situation. 
And you're going to make something beautiful out of this. He didn't cause it. That's another thing. A lot of times people get to a place where, where they, they think that God is the cause of what they've gone through. And they, they, they look at this, this whole aspect. Well, God is in control. Well, God is in control. I, I just, I remember me and my first mission trip in 1994 and I was working with a group. I had done, I'd done about five different trips internationally with YWAM and, and, and I was in Guatemala and there was a particular pastor that was in this church that we were in and we're sitting there and, and, and all I started preaching. And now I've only been born again 10 months at this time. And this was actually my first trip. And, and, and so I'm, I'm here now and I don't know much about the word, but, but, but yet when I went to the church I go to, when I heard truth, something clicked in here that what I was hearing was truth. And, and all of a sudden, but when I all of a sudden didn't hear truth, I was like, something's not right with this. And I remember hearing this guy preach and he was saying, well, you know, right here, we're in this city. Um, we're, we're in a town called Hokatan, which is on the border of Honduras and Guatemala. And we're up in the mountains and the guy's preaching and he says, well, my family's in Guatemala City. And right now, if a drunk driver hit my wife and killed my children, then I would just lift my hands to God and must have been their time to go. I was like, here, 10 months. Ago, I was like, something's not right with that. One, is God going to make that guy go get drunk and then run over your family? That, that's not God. That's not God. That, <laughs> Early Keith Moore say, if God's in control, then, hey, he's really messing some things up. No, God's only in control of what we give him. God's only in control of what we yield to him. No, there's the God of this world there's, that motivates, that, that, that deceives, and, and that brings about things that happen in the earth, that, 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 that bring about addictions, that bring about anger, that bring about hurt, that cause them to hurt other people. That's not God. And so we have to come to a place where we understand, hey, God, you're going to restore what the enemy has stolen in my life. Say restore. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. I hate the enemy. I hate cancer. I hate disease. I hate things that destroy families. I hate division. Because the, these are all aspects to, that hinder God's work from being accomplished, restore, restoration. So for me, it was like, I knew God wasn't the, the author of what I'd gone through. But I knew he's the answer. He's the answer. Let's look at Lamentations chapter, chapter um, 3. We'll encourage you to go to listen to the nine o'clock service because that was totally different than this one. So, Hallelujah! Lamentations chapter three. I mean, hey, a, a prophet writes a book that's all about crying. I mean, it's it's got to it's got to be a page turner, right? 
Thank you, Father. Verse 17 says, And you have bereaved my soul and cast it off far from peace. I have forgotten what good and happiness are. So here the prophet Jeremiah is writing and he, and he has a statement. He goes, I've forgotten what happiness is. You see, if you've forgotten what happiness is, you've really, this is really more of a spiritual thing. So it's really dealing more with joy than it is the natural feeling of happiness. God wants you to get your joy back. Here the prophet saying, you, you, he's like saying, I, I've, I've forgotten what it means to be happy. Because I'm always fighting. I've forgotten what happiness is because I have one struggle after another struggle. I, I've forgotten. And, and what happens is, is he, then, then what happens? You've heard that phrase, hurt people, hurt people. And all of a sudden now, what you're doing is now affecting other people. But God's wanting to touch your heart. He says, I've forgotten what happiness is. And he says, verse 18 says, and I say, perished is my strength and my expectation from the Lord. Oh, Lord, remember earnestly my affliction and my misery, my wandering and my outcast state, the wormwood and the gall. My soul has them continually in remembrance and is bowed down within me. Meaning, meaning constantly all I can think about is my misery. All I can think about is my brokenness. All I can think about is my loss. All I can think about is, is my mistake. All I can think about is the trouble I've been in and the trouble I've been through. And this is really what, what the prophet is, is saying here. He's like, he's like, look, this is all I've got. I, because of that, I can't have joy in it. Because of that, I don't even have an expectation that God is even hearing me or showing up. See, if you have no expectation, you have no faith. And this morning, I believe the Lord wants you to have an expectation for restoration. Get an expectation for restoration that God wants to restore you. Restore you. And the thing is, is he has the ability. The Bible talks about how, how when the enemy comes, it says that he has to repay sevenfold. Hallelujah. Sevenfold. Hallelujah. And I believe whatever, whatever, that he has the ability to restore seven times better than what you lost. Seven times better than what it was the first time. Seven times better. You know, nothing about seven is it's a number of completion. It's not only does he restore and the enemy has to repay, but he has to bring you back to a place of wholeness. Completion. And so this is Jeremiah. This is what he's, he's thinking. I've lost my faith. I've lost my expectation. In verse 21, he says this. But this I recall. I mean, even though I, I'm, I'm at this place of brokenness, I'm at this place of loss, I recall something. I remember something. I'm here to cause you to remember this morning. I'm here to recall something to you this morning. But this I recall, and therefore have I hope and expectation. So what he's about to recall, what he's about to remember is going to bring what? Hope. And it's going to bring expectation. 
Remember, he just said that he, he, he lost expectation, but what he's about to remember is now going to bring hope with it. See, it's what you know about God that is going to establish you in your faith. And so what he was about to recall wasn't something from his head. It wasn't something from, from, from his past. It was something that he remembered about God. It's what you remember about God that's going to give you an expectation for your future. But this I recall. Therefore, I have I hope and expectation. And what did he recall? It is because of the Lord's mercy and loving kindness that were not consumed. It's because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great and abundant is your stability and faithfulness. The Lord is my portion or share, says my living being, my inner self. Therefore will I have hope in him and wait expectantly for him. But this I recall. Now, now we know that we've heard that verse. We, we see it on coffee mugs. We see it in calendar, calendars, you know. You know, his mercies are new every morning. Right? But see, now you know the position of what Jeremiah was writing from. He wasn't writing from a position of victory. He was writing from a position of brokenness. He wasn't shouting about the victory he was in. He was shouting about the victory that was to come. And so it was in the midst of the brokenness that he remembered something about God. It was something that he recalled that also now gave him hope, that gave him a picture, that gave him an image for his future. His mercies are new every morning. And his compassions fail not. Do you know why I can say restore over you this morning? Because of what I recall. His mercies are new every morning. And his compassion fails not. God wants to restore you because he loves you. Restore, restore, restore. Thank you, Father. Restore. Let's go to Romans 5. It's the love of God. Now think about it for the moment. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever would believe in it would not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world he gave his son. So it's because of his love he brought a son That died for me, so what? So I could be restored. So the very motivation, the very motivation of the love of God is to restore. The very nature of the love of God is to restore. The very mercy of God is to restore. The very, the love of God is all about restoring you. God does not have sympathy, he has compassion. 
God is not sympathetic to your trouble. He's compassionate about your trouble. Well, you say, well, what's the difference? Sympathy sees love, sees, sees a problem and feels sorry for. Oh. But yet, like Annette just said, it doesn't change anything. Sympathy and compassion are two different things. See, the church, a lot of times we can be sympathetic, but are we compassionate? Sympathy isn't a mask for compassion. Compassion is a whole different thing. Compassion is a love that doesn't know anything else but to love. Sympathy is, sympathy is, I love, but I'm not going to do anything to lift the burden. Compassion is a love that can't do anything else but lift the burden. That's why when Jesus said Jesus was moved with compassion, compassion will move you. Sympathy will just make you feel sorry for. See, God is not a God of sympathy. He's a God of compassion. He is love. God is love. He doesn't have love. He is love. You know, I have this glass here and, you know, this is glass. If I break it into a thousand pieces, it's still glass. It's the same thing. God is love, but I can break him into different pieces such as he's Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He's my healer. He's my restorer. He's my shepherd. He's my strong tower. He is abundance. He is provision. And so, so I can break God into many different pieces and many different names, but it still comes through the back that he's still glass. He's just glass. Meaning no matter what name you put on him, he still comes down to love. He's compassionate. And because he's compassionate, his desire is to restore you. And here in Romans chapter five. Lord, where are you? Thank you, Father. Let's look at verse 1. The Lord just said, go to Romans 5. So I'm like, okay, where am, where am I going here? Verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, being justified. Justified is a, is a word of restoration. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the expectation of the glory of God. What is the glory of God? The glory of God is the manifested presence of God. What is the glory of God? It's the manifested love of God. What's the glory of God? It's the manifested power of God. So here by access, because of what Jesus did, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. 
Verse 3, and not only so, but we glory in tribulation, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. Now listen to this, and hope maketh not ashamed. Now what is hope? Hope is a picture. Hope is an image. What did Jeremiah lose? He lost his hope and his expectation. But how did he gain it back? He recalled the mercy and the love of God. And he says, so... It says, uh, but hope maketh not ashamed. It's really a confusing verse in the King James. Hope maketh not ashamed. Now, what is hope again? Hope is an inward picture. It's an expectation. It's an inward image. So my inward image will not be ashamed. Another word for ashamed here is disappointed. My inward picture... The picture I have of God's restoration for my life will not be disappointed. Another word for shame here is to be cut short or cut off. Meaning, so my hope will not be cut off. My expectation will not be cut off. Why? And hope make it not a shame. My picture, my expectation will not be cut off because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Meaning, restoration in my life will happen. See, you need to get just matter of fact about it. Can you, can you, can you get a, some attitude of faith here for a moment that restoration will happen in my life? Can, can we say that together? Restoration will happen in my life. Maybe it's a, maybe maybe it's a, a spouse. Maybe it's a, a financial. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a business that that failed in the past. Whatever it is, you have to understand. God wants to restore you. Restoration. God will restore my life. Why? Because of the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. So this really just confirms what Jeremiah talked about. Is because I recalled His mercies. Thank you, Father. His love restoring you. His love restoring you. Go to 1 Timothy 4 and I'll close with this. Restore. Hallelujah. God is restoring God is, is restoring you. Hallelujah. First Timothy four, verse nine, it says in the Amplified, it says, this saying is reliable and worthy of complete acceptance by everybody. With a view to this, we toil and strive. Yes. And we suffer reproach because we have fixed our hope on the living God who is the Savior, the Preserver, the Maintainer, and the Deliverer of all men. Especially, especially to those who believe, trust in, rely on, and adhere to Him. Now, I, I could just as well say this, because I, I understand the Greek word Savior. And I could say this, because we have fixed our hope on the living God who is the restorer of all men. 
the restorer of all, all men. See, he wishes all men and women, it's talking about mankind, he wishes everyone to be saved. And just as much as he wished everyone to be saved, he wishes all men to experience the Savior. And this isn't, this word Savior isn't just your get out of hell free card. This word Savior is the deliverer, the preserver, the maintainer, the restorer of all men, especially to those who believe. So here, what does it say? That we need to fix our eyes on the hope of the living God who is the Savior of all men. I want you to fix your eyes on the restorer today. When you wake up tomorrow, I want you to fix your eyes on the restorer. Every day, wake up, say, God's restoring my life. God's restoring my life. God, God has restored then you make it, God has restored my life. Call those things that be not as though they are. God has restored my life. You see, when you put the word of God in, it will change how you think about your circumstance. When you put the word of God in, it's what will, it will, it will change your course. It will set you on a course. Most of the time we, we, we give up in adversity because we, we don't know God's will for our lives. But you know what? I just told you his will to restore you. Well, 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 well pastor, I, it was my fault. Okay. All right. Repent. And go forward. He can restore. He will restore. The only way that he wouldn't have been able to restore my life. Is if I held on. To the problem. I, I would still be stuck thinking about why this happened to me. What's going on? God, how come you haven't done anything? How come this hasn't changed? But when the moment I released that and knew that God loves me. And I know he has a plan for my life. Then I could look at every day and say, you know, he's going to restore. He's going to restore. He's going to restore. So fix your hope on the living God who's the Savior of all men, especially to those that believe. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, I thank you that you are the restorer. You're the Savior of all men, especially to those that believe. So, Father, I thank you that you've had an assignment on this service from the very beginning. And it's for every person, the sound of my voice, to leave here with the revelation of the gospel, the revelation of good news. And that good news for each one of us today is God loves them and desires to restore them. I thank you that I take on that commission this morning. That you gave to Isaiah. And you said that the people were robbed from. The people were stolen from. Because no one is saying restore. So I declare. As the, the pastor of this service. The pastor of this flock. 
of these sheep, Lord, I declare restore over them. To not go backwards, but to go forwards. Not to give up, but to stand strong. Not to throw in the towel, but to, 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 to stand there. Stand upon your word and not be moved. Father, I thank you that we will come to a place where we will, we will rest in your compassion that fails not. Lord, I declare restoration over every single heart and life in this place today. I thank you, Lord, for making things new. I thank you for, yes, Lord, yeah, the boldness and the courage to let go of old seasons and embrace new seasons. Sometimes we just need courage to embrace the unknown. Sometimes we hold on to things because they're familiar. But uh, according to Jesus and his, his day and his, his own town, it said he could do no mighty work because of the familiarity of the people. So the thing is, it's not until we take that step out of the boat, so to speak, that we step in to the next season of restoration. Hallelujah. Thank you for healed hearts. Restored lives. Thank you for changing our mindsets. Lord, I come against the spirit of religion that would, that would hinder. You see, the word religion means to return to bondage. Re meaning go back to. Legion means bondage. So, religion means to return to bondage. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, that they won't go back to the things that are familiar. They won't go back and they won't lay hold of the... The, the, the seed of what religion may have placed on them about, about who they were in the past or what they had done and what they could have done different. No, I thank you that they go forward in faith knowing that Jesus is the author and the finisher of their faith. How, let me close with this let me, let me, and I'll stop. This is the last thing he, he just spoke to me to say. Thank you, Father. It's in Hebrews, I believe, 12. In the Amplified. Thank you, Father. Verse 1 says, Therefore then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily and cleverly clings to us and entangles us. And let us run with patience, in patient endurance and steady and active persistence, the appointed course of the race that is set before us. So this is all about restoration. We were just, when I was just praying that we have to let go of things and we have to go forward. Verse two says, looking away and the amplified says, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader. Now get this, who is the leader and the source of our faith. He is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief. And he is also the finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. 
So my encouragement is look away from anything that would distract and keep going forward and give him the permission. Give him the access to restore your life. Do you receive this word today? Well, give him a shout of praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father.